right, good morning, everybody. Thanks for spending your morning with us. It, it is our pleasure and our privilege that you're here. So my, my talk today it will serve as an, an introduction to this series that we are calling, calling Unlikely Hero. Unlikely Hero, all right? I, I actually, I, I personally I have this, in, this personal conviction that there is a hero inside of every single one of us in this room that is just waiting to be awakened, just waiting to, 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 to come forth, as it were. Every now and then, you, 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 you get a glimpse of the hero inside of you. You get a glimpse of the genius inside of you. You get a glimpse of a bigger version of you than, than shows up most days. But every now and then, you see it. And, 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 but so often that our, our dreams are bigger than our courage. So, so often we, 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 we get trapped by weak choices. We get trapped and we get sifted and contained by fear. So often we go, that can't be me. That, that, whoa, that, that. Every one of us in this room knows what fear is like. We've all been touched by fear. We, 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 we know how debilitating the fear of rejection is and the fear of failure. Doesn't matter if you're an, a high achiever or you're somebody that has failed a lot. It's the one thing that we just are terrified of is failing. Some of us in this room just are so afraid that we don't have the intelligence and the capacity and the, 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 uh, the gift mix to actually dream, uh, to, to actually live out the dreams that are alive in us. We think, you know, God put too big of a dream, too big of a calling inside such a small vessel. I'm not, I don't have what it takes. And so we all have this desperate need to know courage in our lives. And that's why we are take, it's one of the reasons we're taking a look at this series. Um, in the series, we'll be looking at the life of David at and we'll be tracking with him through his life. It's amazing how God used this one guy, this one person so profoundly, so powerfully. I mean, he was a fearless warrior. And, and that, should, that should be enough. He, he was fearless on the battlefield. He was skilled and fearless at war. But he's also this passionate, intimate poet. And when he's not fighting or rhyming, he's composing songs, okay? And if he's not writing songs, he's playing. I mean, this guy has got it all. He's got it all. And on top of it, he's a man after God's own heart. Whoa. Who, who's got that kind of bling in their life? Like, I, I'm thinking, you, you know what? So often I think that, that God chose him because somehow he, he possessed this innate strength and courage and abilities that, that kind of is a much higher level than I possess. But as I have been combing through his life, I've come to realize that just like you and me, he is constantly struggling against his own angst, his own fears, his paralyzing fear, his self-doubt. You see it. He's just like you and me. And so when a shepherd boy becomes a great king, 
I pray that, that, that we go through this series, you will see and be inspired to allow the hero in you to wake up, for, to allow the greatness in you to rise to the surface. Um, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a profound sense that as we start looking through 1 Samuel, that you can expect things to start breaking off in your life, things that have held on for a long time. I, I, I believe that somewhere as we start opening up the word of God and looking at this thing, that some of you are going to find the courage to lean into the fears that have contained you for a long time. That you will dare to become what you were set apart by God to become. You see, biblical words, biblical truths, they are dripping with life. They, they, they are more powerful than psychology. They, they, they work more deeply in you than, than, than therapy can work in you. See, one word from God, and it can awaken a sleeping giant inside of you. It can awaken in you a hero. It can awaken something inside of you that, that actually calls you, pulls you into your destiny. And my confidence that these things can happen are not in our ability to communicate. Rather, in the confidence and an understanding that one word from God, one word from God in this moment can reach into your past and heal your past. It can secure your today and it can anchor your tomorrow. One word. It goes inside of you and goes whoosh, into every part of your being. One word. See, through human eyes, we are all unlikely heroes. There's nobody in here that's overly spectacular. Um, in human eyes, we're all flawed and we're all, in my mind, muted in terms of our capacity and our potential. But you know, when God looks at us today, he sees a room full of foreordained world changers. You cannot see what he sees. He looks at us and he knows the things that he set us apart for all of us. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. He chose you. He sanctified you. He put his mark on you. He set you apart. And the thing is, he didn't wait until you got your ducks lined up to sanctify you. He didn't wait till you started believing right to sanctify you. He didn't wait till you, till, till, till you cleaned your life. He sanctified you before you were born. And the word sanctified here means to be set apart. It means to be set apart. It means he put his mark on you. And his mark is an indicator, is a declaration that you belong to him. He he. he, he, he created you and he set you apart and so that you would not look like anybody else and yet what do we do we're so timid we're so so afraid of sticking out that we try all of our lives to look like everybody else but God says I set you apart do you know what that means you know what that implies that I set you apart you say you are an arrow shot from eternity into time the birth canal became the conduit from which you came from eternity and into time for a designated purpose. 
That's what that means. You're a marked child. And before you were born, you had a designated purpose attached to your entire being. There are some things on this planet that only you can do. You are different from 7.5 billion other people on the planet. You're different. You have different DNA, different perspective, different personality, different outlook on life. You express yourself differently than anybody else. And he likes it that way. And Satan will set up snares. He'll set up traps. He'll try to contain you. He'll try to keep you from experiencing your true authentic self. Because when you are doing you, when you are authentically doing you, God gets glory. When you are doing who you are and you're stepping into your genius and you're, doing an, you're living an amazing life, God gets glory. You see, the devil doesn't care how many, how many days you live so long as you don't live fully in the days that he gives you. And you can't live fully in the days that he gives you pining to be somebody who he did not create you to be. So let's look at this passage. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 1 um, and go through to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, now Samuel's this great man of God, a prophet. Before there was a king in Israel, uh, God, you know, led the people, gave them counsel and wisdom and direction through this man of God. Okay. And so the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to sacrifice to the, to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him and they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Eliab was Jesse's oldest son. And, and thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to, the, and Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him and we will not sit down until he arrives. He sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health. He had fine appearance, handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of God came powerfully upon David 
and Samuel went on to Ramah. It's very interesting if you look at the, the first verse of the very next chapter, and it says that the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and Saul was the reigning king at the time. He's the king that God had rejected because of his disobedience. And so the spirit of God moves from David and leaves Saul. And that becomes the tension point then for a lot of David's life as we go, as we walk through his narrative. You know, you know what happened here this day? That the, 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 the prophet of God poured oil on David's head. You know what happened? Samuel simply declared in the presence of his brothers what God had declared before David was born. You see, David was a king. Even when he was shepherding sheep, he was a king. God had already foreordained, already set him apart to be a king. He was a king in shepherd's clothes. He was the leader of a nation that was, that was growing inside a junior hire. He was 15 years old when this happened. Can you see that you, you, you are not defined truly by what you do for a living? You are not defined by your social status, your income. You're not, even you're not even defined by what church you go to. You know what defines you? Is that before you were born, God put a mark on you and said, you are my beloved. You are mine. That's what, that's what defines you. And it defines all of us. Not just those of us sitting in this church. All of us. And then it says that God put us on the planet for a designated purpose. Wow, this was one's a designated purpose. You know, we all have to wrestle with this and wrestle with it and wrestle with it. And if you're blessed, sometimes you figure it out early. If not, you figure it out later. But every one of us was put on this planet for a designated purpose. When you know, when you know your calling, you, number one, you know that you're not in it because you have this tension, this discomfort. There's a rock in your shoe. Somehow you just can't find your stride. But you step into your calling, your anointing, your destiny, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden, everything just flows easier. Everything, every movement is more efficient. A little bit of effort produces a lot of fruit. When you're in your zone, in your rhythm, in your stride. But some of us wrestle for a long time looking for our designated purpose. And let me tell you this, if you haven't found it, then don't stop wrestling. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop looking to, to God to show you what he put you on the planet. Because you're the only one that has, it, it has to be awakened in you. It's interesting, um, you can be prophesied over, and that's all good and fine, but until it's awakened in you, in some ways, that prophecy kind of is put on a shelf and held, and as soon as it gets awakened in you, then that prophecy comes to life. It becomes meaningful. I, um, so I was 14 years old, and, and I've told this story before, but I'm running out of stories, so I'll just reuse the ones I told. Uh, I was 14. We were raised in a, I was raised in a really conservative Baptist church. Okay, and my mom and I snuck over to the Pentecostal church when I was 14 because there's this like these revival meetings and I heard really cool things were happening. And and so literally we snuck and we sat like towards the back under the balcony. It's pretty sure no one's going to find us. And 
And the worship, like I, my, my mom and I were just like bug-eyed watching people lift their hands. What are you doing that for? And, and they're moving around. And I thought that that's dancing. And that leads to war as far as my Baptist heritage is concerned, you know. And no, it leads to sex, which leads to war. Uh, and so, so we didn't dance. We didn't smoke. We didn't chew. We didn't go girls to do and all of that stuff. And, and here I am in this Pentecostal church. My mom and I are, and I'm kind of like freaked out a little bit because it was just weird. And they go up and they're leading worship. But the music was cool, and they had drums on the stage. Everything was cool. And then the pastor comes up onto the stage and asks everybody to sit down. And I thought we were just getting warmed up. And he's looking over the crowd, and he points to not a word of a lie. He points to my mom, and he says, could you stand up? And I'm thinking, crap. They know we're Baptists. How do they know these things? How, how do, what, do, we, do we emit a scent? Like, what is it? Do we, what, what is that? Do we just, and, 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 so, and so, and then he gets me to stand up and I'm freaking out. And then he asked my mom, he said, is this your son? And she said, yes. And he starts to say something and he's so moved emotionally. He says, oh my God. He said, that young man is going to preach. He's going to preach all over the world. He will preach. And, and then he said to sit down. And I'm just glad that's all they did. You know, he declares this thing over me. And, but they didn't throw things at us or, or, or try to knock us over. And I was, whoa, okay. So there's a word given to me when I'm 14. And it really, I didn't have context for it. I was 14. Like, you, could you be any more confused in your life than when you're 14? And, and, uh. I put that word, I didn't do it on purpose, but that word sat on a shelf full of life, full of power. It just sat there. I did nothing with it. But about 10 years later, well, not even 10, about seven years later, all of a sudden, it's starting to wake up inside of me. My designated purpose started to come to the surface. I began to long for it and hunger for it. And all of a sudden, I went to the sister and I went to this word that was given to me. And I began to get nourishment from it and strength from it and joy from it. I knew that I remembered it now. And it filled my heart with hope. I knew that I had touched my destiny. That word had somehow touched my destiny. And it was just waking up inside of me. It's something you have to figure out. And then you can use the body of Christ. You can, people can affirm it and strengthen it and say, you know, absolutely, I see that in you. Absolutely, that's when there's life and encouragement in that, and we need to do that. Is it possible that your calling and your purpose is the, the dream that burns down deep inside of you? It burns inside of you. It's so central to who you are that, that without it, without walking in and fulfilling it, you're just not even worth getting up in the morning. And so God revealed to David, he said, I'm, you're going to be a king. And David goes, yay, I'm going to be a king. And then God gives him his Holy Spirit. He pours his spirit out of him powerfully. You would think that's enough. All right, let me king. If I'm going to be king, let me king. And, 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 but it's not enough. The Holy Spirit and the calling are not enough for David to become the king. Because knowing that, 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 that your, your calling is one thing, being anointed and set apart for it isn't one thing, 
but being patient in the process of growing into your calling, that is another thing altogether. Listen to this verse in Hebrews 6. It says, uh, we don't want you to be lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Through faith and patience. Oh, that, that, neither one of those are like, patience. Is that an unsexy word or what? Patience. There's nothing cool about that word. There's nothing fun about that word. That word is boring and painful. But through faith and patience. Another word for patience is process. Your destiny, your calling, your, 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 your best version of you, you know where that is? That's on the other side of process. And process sucks. That's on the other side of challenges and pain and problems. You gotta go through things to become the best. You gotta. There's no getting around it. Nobody gets a free ride. You've gotta go through process to get to the promotion of who you're called to be. You have to. And the greater the calling, the more intense the process. It's amazing how, though, you know, if you've lived a little while, you know this. You, you, you come through stuff. You hit a wall and you keep going and you get on top of your fear and you get on the other side of your fear and it doesn't have power in you anymore. And you keep going and, and, and you, you, you work through your pain and your brokenness and it doesn't, it's not festering anymore. It's just a scar tissue. And you can point and say, God was faithful. See that? That half killed me, but we got through that. You get on the other side of it and that's when you look back and only then do you see it. Wow, I know why I went through that. I know what that equipped me for. I know why that was so significant in my life. But you only get it once you go through it. You had no idea you're practicing for something you're doing today. Back then, you had no idea. So I mentioned my, my conservative church. And in, in the way they preached in my Baptist church is boringly. Um, they, 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 they were just really, it was really very an academic approach to theology. And so the minister's more interested in just unpacking theology than, than keeping us awake. And um, it was a German church to boot. And so we had this tradition that the kids would go down to Sunday school uh, at nine o'clock and the parents and the adults would go up in the sanctuary and they'd have Sunday school. And, and, and then we would meet again at 11 in the main sanctuary for the main service, right? Well, they would, different Sunday school classes would have the opportunity before they even went down to their class to stand in front of all these German old people and recite the verse of the week, right? And um, it, it was it, it, painful. And... Um, I don't have a very good memory. I, I, I really, really don't have a great memory and I still don't have a great memory. And, um, uh, and so my mom said that there was actually this sense of anticipation when my Sunday school got picked to come and do the verse because I was in the Sunday school class. And where my memory left off, my story began. I have always loved story. I've been fascinated by story. I could, you, 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 you tell me a great story, I'm yours. You get me just like that. And so I've been living in story my whole life. 
And, and, and so I would, tell, I would say the verse and where my memory let go of the verse, the story would begin. And so I would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that if you're good on Christmas and you're not on the naughty list, you will, you will get presents because God loves you so much. And if he will put you on the nice list, but sometimes the rabbit comes along at Easter and he helps you to become good because, and, and, and it, it just, and my mom said they would laugh and laugh and laugh. And I realized that's exactly what I do now. It was preparing me then for what I do today. I just tell stories. It's all I do, right? All of my life I've been telling stories. I had no idea I was practicing then for what I'm doing today. I'm no theologian. I'm telling you that. I'll just put that right out there. I am no theologian. There's other people you can go to to really get deep theology. But God, he teaches me through story and I get to teach you through story. And if it didn't work, you'd go somewhere else. Do you remember in, in Samuel 17, David's about to go out and fight with Goliath. And, and, and Saul says, now number one, he's kind of relieved that somebody's willing to go up against the giant. But he says, you're crazy. You don't, don't, don't be ridiculous. You can't beat this guy. He has been a warrior since his youth. And you're just a kid. You are... 15 years old, he will squash you like a bug. And this is what David says to, in, in, in response to that. He said, I've been taking care of my dad's sheep and my dad's goats. And when a lion and a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, he said, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from his mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. That's a great picture right there. I've done this both to lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And he says this, the Lord, this, this is really great. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You know what he's doing? David is talking to, to Saul and, and he's remembering, he goes, whoa, holy, I've been in training. I've been in training for this day. I've been in training. The bear was training. The lion was training. He said, you know what? The lion came after me and I took it out. The bear came after me and I killed it. And the Lord who rescued me from those two, well, you know what he's saying? It's the same God. It's the same Lord. The same Lord who rescued me from a bear and a lion. It's the same God who's showing up and he's going to rescue me because he's bigger than the bear, he's bigger than the lion, and he's bigger than this giant. As for the bear, as for the lion, he said, this is the testimony. This is the resume that we have. And he's re reciting this resume of God's faithfulness. The, the, the lion came at me. And you know where it is today? It's on my wall in my living room. The bear came at me. You know where it is today? It's on the floor under my feet. And this giant doesn't realize this cursing giant is just going to be the, 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 the cream on the top, the cherry on the top of my resume. This is fantastic. Because the same God who got me through those two is going to get me through this one. It's just part of my story. So let me tell you something. You're looking at, some of you came in here and your, your heart's heavy because you're looking at a, 
a lion. And it's scary. Your life is bumped up against some relational challenges and some hardship and some conflict. You, 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 you've looked, then, then after the lion, you know what? The, 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 the bar gets raised. Now it's a bear. And some of you are facing a bear. Some of you, you know, financially, you don't know how you're going to survive the month. You've already run out and there's still some October left. And some of you, it's a giant. It's nothing shy of a giant. And I want to say to you, they overcame him by the blood of the land and the word of their testimony. What is your testimony? The testimony is the same God who got me through yesterday is going to get me through today. The same God that helped me conquer my problems yesterday is going to get me through. The same God that helped me kick my addiction last year is going to get me through today. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. If you want other, if you want something else to, to, to declare, and sometimes you'd have to declare it, look into the face of that thing that's, that's threatening you and declare. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every word that rises up against you will fall. You want to know something? You know what, the, you know what the, the, the enemy wants to take you out, but you know what the Lord wants to do? Do you remember how David killed the Goliath? He didn't kill him with a rock, right? He just knocked him down with a rock. He took Goliath's own sword and he cut his head off with him. He cut his own head off with his own sword. And he, Goliath, in so many ways, is a type of the devil. And his swords are his words, you know, the sword of the spirit. The sword represents words. Lies. And, and, and God wants to take the lies that have threatened to take you out. And he wants you to destroy those things in your own life and then take that weapon and set other people free. Destroy the lies in their lives. He wants to put that sword in your hand and destroy the thing that's trying to kill you and destroy your destiny and your calling. I'm going to invite the band to come up. So eventually... Um, David is declared and the celebrated king of Israel. But let me tell you something. It cost him something to get there. In fact, it cost him more than most of us are willing to pay. He went from a shepherd boy to a great king. It, it didn't happen the day after he was anointed. In fact, it took 15 years. 15 brutal years. So many of us, we want the promotion, but we can't handle the process. We want people's success, but we don't want the process and the scars and, and, and all that it took to get to success. And without the process, there is no promotion. David spent 15 years being prepared to be the king. You know, it's interesting, his training just seems so unrelated to kingliness, Right? You know, at some point in time, Saul got so jealous, he tried to kill him. And then he sent his entire army to continue to chase him. How would you, you like to be chased by the military, the U.S. military? Not so worried about the Canadian military, but the U.S. military. You know, you get them chasing you. There's no place you can hide. So you live. And all the while he's running, this band of misfits attached themselves to him. People nobody else wanted, he took. 
And on their way, they, they actually defend the poor and the helpless. Everything that he's doing doesn't look like kingly training, but it's all kingly training. James says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Perseverance, I've said this before, is not simply the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it to glory. To wait until the Father puts that sword in your hand. To take that thing, get on the other side of it, and then bring others through that just because you've been through. You can't set anybody free from a prison that holds you. So you find a way out, and then you can point the way and say to people, walk with me. I'll come back in there. We walk out together. My encouragement to you today as we close is this. Be as patient with the process as you are inspired with your destiny, with your future. Be as patient with the process because like I said, there's nothing sexy about the process. It's just painful. It's hard. You need courage to keep going. Steward the relationships in your life today with honor. Fight the lions and the bears, knowing that they're just the gymnasium for your future. God sends you a lion, it's just a gym for you to work some muscles out, to work your faith out, get stronger. You know what? Because the lion bear's coming, and you know what? We just up the ante, bigger weights, better gym. You know what? And then the, 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 the giant comes, and all of that is in preparation for what he's going to do when he's the king. I don't even want his gym. And invite God to enlarge you to fulfill the calling that he set you apart for before you were even born. So I'm going to pray for you because some of you in here, you came in and you're, you're feeling like you are really under it. The God who got you to today is the God that's going to get you to, it's the same God. And the God that helped you destroy your lions and your bears in the past is the same God that's going to preserve you even in this situation. So Father, I thank you that absolutely nothing surprises you. You saw this day, you saw this challenge, you saw this difficult season, you saw, you saw this a long time ago. And Father, you've actually prepared us for this day. We've been practicing for this day prior to being here. And we, we thank you that, 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 that you began a good work in us. You'll bring it, you will bring it to completion. That work began before we were even born. And that's what you promised. And I thank you, Father, that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And so we take our eyes from the giant and, Father, we set our eyes up on you. And we thank you that you're bigger than this one too. You're bigger than the ones in the past and you're bigger than this one. And we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.